welcome to DevCast, brought to you by Devril Smith, the right people. DevCast is where property meets people, industry figures, news and views, what it takes to be your best. So sit back, earphones on, and enjoy this edition of DevCast. Welcome to DevCast, Devil Smith's audio series, which holds exclusive and thought-provoking interviews with professionals from right across the real estate sector. My name is Andrew Devil Smith, and I'm the founder, CEO of Devil Smith. Um, today is the first. We're, we're hosting some. Uh, uh, we're, we're no longer audio, but we're, we're video too. So I'm delighted to welcome global prop tech expert and guru, um, keynote speaker Anthony Slumbers to DevCast. Uh, Anthony, thanks ever so much for joining me this morning. Quite different times, I'm sure you'll agree. It, it, it's a pleasure to be here. So I, 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 I hate hearing that word, uh, ke- keynote, keynote speaker, because clearly I cannot do any speaking. <laughs> so I miss, uh, uh, I'm um, vain enough to miss the, miss the stage, but we're, we'll get back there. But. Well, you've got an audience of one right now, and I'm hopeful that we can take you to a really, uh, the biggest audience to, you know, to date. But, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, obviously very weird times. I'm sure we'll touch on those in, in, in a bit. But Anthony, can you, for the benefit of our listeners and viewers, can you, can you give, me your, give me your entire career in 30 seconds? Right. The, 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 sh- the short version is for tw- 20 odd years, I ran a software company, um, principally, in fact, I've always run software, uh, software companies, uh, writing software for mainly commercial, commercial real, real estate. Um, so I have five, five different variants of software companies in the commercial real estate field. I've um, sold, sold three of them, shut one of them, and I can't even remember what happened to the have the fifth one but it it, uh, it just disappears or something happens um so i uh, as i said i wrote software for a long time but the last four or five years i've spent a lot much time um i do a combination of uh, speaking blogging writing consulting um and i do a lot of work with um, property managers investors and landlords looking at the impact of technology on real estate. So really my, my role is, if you like, as a translator. So I translate real estate to tech people and tech to real estate people. And, and, and one of my researchers tells me, I didn't know this about you, but you can tell me it's, it's nonsense, but um, before prop, property and prop tech, you were in the art world, were you not? Were you an art dealer? <laughs> well, life, yes. Love, I, it, it is, it, it, it is a, I do have a very, very, funny background like that, that I actually spent quite a number of years as, a, as an art dealer. And actually I have, a, my, my degree is in uh, history and history of art. Um, so, which puts me as one of those, not that many art historians who run software companies, but there's, there's a few, but it's like largely a, con- a consequence of age, being, um, be, being around before really the internet, the internet took, took off. But it, but it, is, it is quite interesting how um, we've gone from a, a, a world where one side, one side of the brain was was more important than the other, and then the other side took took over. And we're moving back now, particularly in real estate. I think very much to a, a left brain, right brain um, mode mode of thinking is is re- required because you need to know. It's a real estate is about a lot more than real real estate 
now. So you need you increasingly we need we need people who have um, who work in multifunctional teams and and have broad skill sets. So you need people who understand. You don't necessarily need people who who um, who can practice as technologists, but you need people to understand technology, and then they need to understand real estate, and then they need to understand psychology and design and all all these all these other things. Which is why this time aside is probably the most interesting time to be in real estate ever. And do you think the penny has dropped for the sector? I mean, I know you travel an awful lot, so you will see, like I do, um, uh, I suppose, we, 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 we tend to, we, we're on a similar loop, you and I, but do you see the real estate, do you think the penny's dropped with real estate companies in terms of that spread of, of skill sets and experiences? Or, or it's, it, it has spread more than, it has spread more in the last couple of years than probably in the, la in the last te 10 years. There are still there are still very much some holdouts. What what is, what is again as a consequence of what is happening now? We're in my mind we are actually sticking pushing the fast forward button a good a good five years if not ten years in terms of moving a lot of trends that were were coming into play anyway um, are being fast forwarded and accelerated now. So if you look at the whole the whole space as a service. Uh, area which is a phrase that i actually started using in 2014 so it's taken sort of six six years before that really got me but if you look at all of that the movement from real estate being about less about selling a product to more about delivering a service and the rise of the rise of all the flex operators and it's quite easy to be um to be misled sorry have we lost have i lost you no I've, oh sorry i've lost my camera that's weird. Um, as long as you can still see me, um, yeah. There's a there's a slight um, oddity at the moment that uh, because of the situation where we work, and then there, there is still a a section of the industry that say, "Ha ha, see, uh, I I told you so," but that's really to mean, to misunderstand the point. The uh, the the issue with we work, and to an extent with a lot of the flex operators, was was not the the service they delivered. Um, or the lack of demand. It was the business model. Business model was a problem. Was a problem for for them, and that's going to be fast forwarded now um, over 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 the next few years by what is happening now. That we're going to be moving more and more to to real real estate as a service, as an operator dependent um, business. I think it's important just to just to reference we're week four I think of lockdown April 2020 in the peak of the hopefully um, at least the peak of the um, coronavirus pandemic in the UK what so what do you what do you think I mean we're all hopeful we're, we're, we're back to work in a few weeks time and obviously we've, we've seen the worst of this situation but what do you think changes what, what, well, well, what's going to, what's going to change is if you think of if you if, if you if you take the take take the the office market, it's been a building thing of what is the point of an office for a long time. I mean, this whole business about everyone now is 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 working remotely, doing Zoom. Do you know Zoom has gone from ten million daily users to two hundred million daily users? <laughs> 10 million to 200, 200 million it's extraordinary and what's really extraordinary is actually the thing hasn't fallen over yeah in in in, in fact this is a great validation of a, a lot of the tech industry that it's still up 
you know, the internet has not, has not broken un, under all of this. Um, but what, what, what is happening is we're, we're going to be reevaluating what the purpose of, a, of an office is. What are we doing in an office? Um, and you have the, you've had this trend over the last few years as technology has become more and more capable and we've had more and more AI and machine learning and all this sort of stuff. That increasingly, any task that people do at the office, which is structured, repeatable, or predictable, is leaving the office. It's going to be done by the, done by the machines. And McKinsey reckoned that was around about half, half of the tasks that people are paid for in the world to do are things that can be automated. But the point, the point, point is, you don't, you, you don't want to fight that. You know, there's no point taking it. You don't take a knife, to a, a knife to a gunfight. You are going to lose. Um, you're going to lose to the machines if you try and uh, compete with them on structured, repeatable, predictable. So what, are, what is the point of humans? What, what are we going to do? Well, fortunately, humans are very good at all the things that machines are not good at. So we're good at imagination, design, abstract and critical thinking, judgment, creativity, empathy, um, all, these, all these sorts of things. So it's still our, there's a, a going to my art background, there's a saying of Picasso's, where you used to say Com computers are useless, they can only give you answers. And, that, and that's sort of the point. You know, the machines are really cl clever, but it's still us humans who have to define the, define the questions. So you're increasingly going to find that the work we humans do is actually going to become more, in many ways, more analog rather than te technological because we're going to be doing the things that we are good at. So we've got to design products. We've got to refine products. We've got to create ser services. We've got to optimize services. We've got to manage services. We've got to think of customer journeys. And we've, we've got to think, consider customer experience and user experience and things that people will want to pay for. And we will, we, what we're going to find is that more and more, the purpose of the office is to go and do these human things. So the, the aesthetic of an office, part of the reason that the flex operators have done so well is not just of at least have been in so much demand is not just that they are fle flexible but everyone's going to want to be flexible is that the aesthetic the the, the vibe and the, the the experience of being in a good flex space is yeah. completely different you know you go into an office group space as opposed to a traditional a traditional office and however posh if you like the traditional office is there's something sort of enervating about old school old old school office design which is not really conducive for catalyzing human, human skills. So we need spaces that really catalyze these human, human skills, that allow people to be the, the best they can. And what is happening here is as people, clearly people are gonna be very nervous about going back to the office. In the short term, they're gonna be hyper nervous. So in the short term, you are quite likely to find that only we, we drip feed people back into the office that only 20% or 30% or 40% of the people who really need to be there, go there. We won't be pushing everyone back because everyone's going to be so nervous. But thereafter, and there's a lot of stuff going on on the moment. People are talking about, oh, we're going to have to de-densify the office and make sure that we can all socially distance at the office. And it's a nonsense. It's, it's complete nonsense because we will not go back to the office if we have to stay six feet away from each other. Yeah. Why bother? Yeah. You know, the, the, the point of going to the office is to sit and have a chin wag with you, is to sit in a group, is to work with my, my team 
all the things that an office is useful for is not useful if you de-densify it. So somehow we have got to accommodate, we, we in the short term, we have obviously got to um, find ways of, of just essentially keeping going. But all these things are temporary. Obviously, when you're in the middle of a situation like this, you think, oh my God, it's the end of the world. But it's often been the end, looked like the end, the end of the world. And we get through them. You know, you, you have, lot, there's been lots of plagues. You look at any of the major cities of the world and they've had periods that have felt like this. But funny enough, they, they, they keep going and we find a way of, of, getting, of getting through them. So this is really going to accelerate the, um, the transformation of the office because you are not going to get people to go to the office unless it has higher utility than what, what they can do out of the office. Now, there's always a caveat with this. You know, I'm very lucky. A lot of the people I know are very lucky. We have nice offices, place, places to work. And a lot of people, I've been on a call yesterday with someone in Hong, Hong Kong. He has a very, very senior job in Hong Kong, but lives in 300 square feet because it's Hong Kong. You know? um, and it's, you, you, you can't operate like that. But, but, ne but nevertheless, people don't, you know, we clearly do not need to go to the office to do our work. We can go to other places. So people will, will go to where, to the spaces that enable them to do what they really need to do. And that is going to be more and more hu human work. So this is really forcing the point that for the real estate industry, the concentration has to be on the, the, the operator of space is increasingly important. The person who creates the user experience, the customer experience of people using their, their space. Now you've got an added layer now that people are gonna obsess about environmental conditions. This was, a, this was a rising thing anyway. People were starting to talk about air quality because whenever you hear people talk about um, productivity in, in the office, can we measure productivity? In some ways you can't, and in some ways you can. If you put me in a room that's too hot, or put you in a room that's too hot, you will not be as productive as in a room at the right temperature, because we know it has a direct um, impact on cognitive function. But now we've got this problem, people are gonna to want to know, how well is this space gonna look after me? So I would think the, one of the big differentiators for, the, for, for real estate people over the next few years is going to be, how well they can demonstrate that their space is operationally managed and optimized to look after me walk, walking in there. So if I'm going to sign, a, if I'm going to sign a lease with you, I can guarantee you at the top, it's going to say, if, in paraphrase, your space has got to look after me on these terms. So we, I'm going to measure air quality. I'm going to measure temperature. I'm going to measure for cleanliness and, and all these sort, sorts of things. So, there are, there are so many factors that we're building anyway, and this is, this is just un, unleashing them all. I, I completely agree with you. I, I, my personal thought as well, just on the subject of offices, is going to be the, 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 the amount of space one requires. I think as a business owner and leader perspective, I'm already thinking about that. I'm thinking, well, could I run a company twice the size in half the space again? You know, and I, I think that- well, the, the, the answer is almost definitely yes. But, 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 but the key here is I, I talk to my clients along the lines of you have to change the thinking from trying to get your customers to take as much space 
for as long as possible. So you want your customer to, to sign up for the least amount of space for the shortest time possible. Because you want, so you want someone to take 5,000 square feet who would have taken 10,000 square feet, but you want to charge them as if it was seven or 8,000 square feet. So net net, you both have to win. So you will take less space, yeah. but per square foot, you will pay considerably more for space that really serves your requirements. So you will pay more for space that you can utilize at say 70, 75% um, occupancy and with 70, 75% satisfaction of your, of your em employees. You know, because if you look at the, 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 the Leesman uh, index, the, the, you know, they've done what, six, 600,000 odd interviews with um, employees. And one of the questions they asked them is, does your, um, does your workplace enable you to be productive? And at the moment, it's something like 57% across the whole lot uh, answer yes, which is an absolute fail. So you've got very, in the typical office space at the moment, you've got roughly sort of 50% occupancy and utilization. So half the time the desks are empty and 50 to 60% satisfaction with the space. Now, the argument has to be, what I want to sell you is 70 to 80% occupancy and 70 to 80% satisfaction. And I'm gonna sell you a lot less, but you're gonna pay me a hell of a lot more for it. But you're still going to save money and I'm still going to make more money per square, per square foot for you. So absolutely, we all, we all need less space. Who do you think's cracked that formula already? Where would you travel the world? Where, where have you seen, what, what are the best examples of that you've seen? Uh, well, it's... It, it, it is probably some, some of the, fle the, the flex operators. You know, I mean, I'm a, bit, I'm a, big, fan, I'm a big fan of the, the office group. And I know they, they run at very high um, utilization and very high satisfactions. We work run at very high utilization, but not so great satisfaction because their model is a bit too much based on just cramming you, cramming you in battery for offices as, as, as ba battery farm. But you have interesting examples like I was, um, sent something the other day from Len Lenlease in Sydney. And they own one of the, the, the sort of broad gates of, of, of Sydney. Yeah. Uh, so lots of big central business district towers. But they, they have a product and I think they call it Lenlease Local or something like that. And it comes with your lease. And what the local is, is they, they, are, they are looking for where the, the employees of their customers live and they're building localized satellite Lenly spaces just, just, just for them. So part of your package is that you, you, you take, oh, I don't know, 10,000 square feet in downtown Sydney, but it comes with a certain number of hours in that location and that location. And that's like a drop-in center. It's very non-officey. And they, they said it's not, it's not meant to be a co-working place. It's meant to be somewhere a, 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 an amenity that our customers can use local to where their staff live as to decompress, to chill out, to get away from the children. That, that, that and sort it's got of printing thing. facilities or you know, bits, bits uh, of office kit uh, that you wouldn't, you wouldn't have uh, in your house. But, 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 and, but, but it's local to where they live. So yeah. the, the, what, what you're definitely going to see, see a, a lot less of. The, the old model of I've got 100 employees, so 100 of us are going to go to the same building. Yeah. 
every day. That, that's that's gone. You're all going. You're all going to different different places, and so part of the part of the real estate industry's job is going to be to really understand your total occupancy needs, not just you know. Let's see if I can sell you at least for all your hundred employees. I will send you sell you one for only fifty, but I will make arrangements that I can provide you with some space here, and I can I provide you a certain number of hours with this partner flex operator or even discounted rate at hotels. I mean, hotels, I think, are really interesting. You know, you, you, you've got an office in the city. You go into the NED next to, um, next to the Bank of England and the place is rammed all day long. And you go into any, any of the central London hotels and they're just rammed all, all, all day, day long with people. So they're clearly... Hotels are definitely becoming offices in New York, particularly. And, I, I yeah. go from one hotel to the next and spend an hour there, make calls and log in on and do my emails. And there's, there's dozens of people surrounding me doing exactly the same thing. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and abs absolutely. But people will start to package the package those sorts of services up, and 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 so you so your complete package that enables you to I don't know you get the you get the the best location there or you get a discount on this and you get this in this phone in that that phone in but um so that that feels so clearly where where we where we are going um and yeah this is pushing it all on i i agree i think uh, i think what this the covid situation has most definitely shone a big light on the office space back to the machines taking over the humans in to some degrees and, and the broad spectrum of real estate who are the winners and who are the losers in terms of the different functions you know where would you buy stock and where would you short the market i i would i would i would short anyone who is not making genuine strong attempts to fully digitize their whole operations from, from, from end to end. And I'd go, I'd go long on anyone looking to build multifunctional teams with new skill sets within, within a real estate operation, because you're going to need, as I, as I say, you need, you need people to understand the, understand the technology. And then understand how the technology can enable the the, the humans can augment the the humans, and there is a, this big sort of missing middle um, area of a, of a of a skill set that people people can 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 do both. Um, in terms of in, you you've you've got you've got to you've got to be looking for pe for people who are increasingly moving away from being real estate companies and as such that they don't think of themselves as a real estate company that they start thinking of themselves as a as a as a service company of some of some description or or people who absolutely do only see themselves as as real estate people i still think there's a there, there, there is a there is an argument that real estate people real estate companies should not try to be anything other than real estate companies and, and that has an, an argument, there is a good argument behind that. They would be better to partner closely with some of these new um, third, third party service oriented op operators. Um, 
but I, I, th I think you, I think you'll be able to say people need to, I, I use a, the joke of what's, what, what's the difference be, um, between a chicken and a pig and a bacon and a bacon and an egg sandwich? Well, the ch chicken is involved, but the pig is committed. And so you need to know, you need to know who you are in, in real estate. If you're, if you're, if you're going to try and move down and turn yourself into a full service company, and a lot of the, a lot of, a lot of real estate people look at flex operators and think, well, I can do that. that that's easy. But you can't once you actually try and do it. It's the, the simple things are a lot harder than, than, than they, they look. So people, companies have to decide exactly what their skill set is and clar clarity of focus. I think, I think is, is really, really important. Um, and, and buy any really good AI companies. <laughs> it's, a quite, it's quite a simple one. A really good AI company, buy them. <laughs> or invest, invest, in, invest in the top, top skilled AI people. Definitely. Do you, who do you see in the, in the, in the real estate um, sort of um, world? Who, who really is attracting your attention and disrupting the status quo? Um, well, well, I, it, for, for me, it is, it is, it is the, the flex operators. And again, I know that the whole WeWork thing, there's, there's, so many, there's so many deserved slaps that you could give the management, well, the, the old management of, of, of WeWork. But they did, they did do some extraordinary things. And they did think and act and operate it in a way that is very is very very different as i say their, their business model was the, the problem mainly because they took leases rather rather than partnerships but if you look at their attention to actually thinking about the the service that they're delivering their customer and what the service is and what might the customer be interested in it is is really impressive as i say i, I, I like tog i'm a big fan of Con convene the american company convene who are going to be opening in 22, 22 Bishopsgate. I think people like that are, 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 are really excellent. What, I, what I'm looking for going forward, because of particularly what go on, what's going on now, is going to be the, the, the if you like, the, the, hard, the hardware companies within, within real estate who can really adopt new technologies to enable them to produce a more sustainable, but B more environmentally friendly, friendly buildings. So I think you're I think there is going to be more of a focus back on the, the structure and the infrastructure of buildings. You know, the whole smart building thing tends to get slightly sort of pushed off as, oh, well, that's just a bit of geeky stuff for, you know, the architects and their friend and the engineers to, to look about. It's going to become much more integral to, um, to, to, to everything. But it's a, it's a, it's very much a movable fist. There is not, there is not a standout absolute Amazon of the prop tech, prop tech field at the moment. I don't think yeah, they don't yeah. exist yet. Yeah. Uh, okay. So if I were to put you on the spot a little bit, I'll take you forward. Let's say ten years. There's a lot of um, I, I read a lot about the valuations industry. You know, being under threat by by computers so does the valuation does the valuation sector um make it or do the computers take over the, the the computers will take over 
very few things in their entirety. This is, this is the, 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 the misunderstanding that people often have. They think, oh, well, all these machines are going to take over and they're going to take all our jobs. They're actually not going to take all your jobs, they, but they're going to redefine most of your jobs. So in, ter in terms of val valuations, valuations, if you have open data and API, so all data can, can talk to each other, is pretty much a push button and away it goes process you know it's 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 maths isn't it you just add it add it up if you if you can get the data in so there's there's lots of the process of um people sitting sitting there writing out their you know doing their excel spreadsheets and stuff at the moment which is ridiculous because that's what machine what machines are good at but there is still that that fundamental thing of that's what the numbers say but there's two companies, there's two buildings here with the same numbers. Which one's the better one? Yeah. So there, there, there's, there's the subjective, the qualitative layer of, um, of asset management and valuation is still going to be very, very, very strong. But most of the process should, ju should just go, go away because it doesn't really add any value. You know, you can add up, I can add up. Well, so what? You know, it's, not, it's not a competitive advantage. Being a you know being able to do a bit of maths, you know unless you're doing very high level maths, but but judgment. You see the the interesting thing if you look at um, the whole world of artificial intelligence is you have this thing where artificial intelligence is a lot to do with predictions. Most of the time, AI does not give you an answer; it gives you a probabilistic um, opinion that X might happen. So what is the chance that that light is going to go next week? Well, 82.8%. It's not going to say it will go, but it's, it's probabilities. So with, 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 more, with more data and more data being accessible through open data and being able to inter, interchange, we're going to be able to predict an awful lot more things. A lot more of our daily workflows, we'll be able to predict. You know, how many people, you know, what's the demand going to be for that? building how many people are going to be in that room on 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 a thursday is the sun going to shine that sort of thing but you've got this thing where the price of prediction goes down but the paradox is therefore the the, the value of judgment goes up so judgment is is a is a is a trainable skill that we need to invest a lot more money in um in, in training people how to make, you know, abstract and critical thinking, which leads, leads to judgment, is a trainable skill. And we need people who are better equipped to, to make so, solid judgments because it's still, going to, it's still going to be, ultimately, I can, I can buy that company or that building, that building, that building, which ones, which ones do, do I buy? And judgment, it's, 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 it's beyond gut instinct but gut instinct still has a part to play. But it's with, our gut instinct is more and more um, richly informed by data. Because people talk about gut instinct and you say, oh, you're just, you know, just guessing. Well, you're only guessing based on your accumulated experience and knowledge. That's what gives you a good gut experience. That's why people with a lot of experience in an industry, you know, you probably talk to people and know within, 30 seconds whether they're the right candidate for a particular role now you're not guessing 
you will be able to make that judgment because you have a lot of experience and have been doing it for a long time and priors and, and all that sort, sort of thing. But so that judgment side is, is really, really a key skill. Obviously, so I'm a talent guy, and, and, and who do you think gets it of the big firms? Who do you think has cottoned on to this t type of thinking and is, is um, really driving their businesses to attract a different skill set from the, you know, from the stereotypical property person of the 1980s? Um, do you, there, there's some really... If you look at a com company like you, you and I, you and I is a really interesting, really interesting company. You go, you go into their office and you don't think, oh, this is a real estate company. Yeah. You go, you go into, you know, I don't want to use too many names. You, begin, you go into other, other companies now and you just go, oh God, I, I just know I'm not going to see anyone who's not in a blue suit here, am I? And yeah. um, they're going to tell me about innovation as in a 40 person board, boardroom. Um, but you, you've got people like you, you and as I say, people like convened looking at it a different way, Todd looking at it a different way, um, Jacob Loftus, you probably know Jacob Loftus, very cre creative master, Tom Bloxham, you know, been around a long time, but still manages to create, to keep thinking uh, a new, um, Susan Freeman did a podcast with um, Thomas Heatherwick uh, yeah. a couple of weeks ago, and it's fa fascinating man. Fascinating man, but it, it's always it's always people who have broad and deep knowledge, because the 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 the, the interesting thing nowadays I think is a lot of people have have been paid more and more to know more and more about less and less. So you get people who are incredibly highly remunerated because they have incredibly deep knowledge about some very arcane but high value area that's actually exactly the type of thing that's going to be taken away by the machines um but people will people will be have more um more utility if you like the broader they still need deep 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 knowledge but the breadth of knowledge is really important i don't know if you know there's a company called entrepreneur first which is a fascinating a vc company um but they describe them, how do they describe themselves? They say, we, we invest in um, uh, pre-company. Pre, pre com, pre so what they specifically do, Entrepreneur First, is they go out looking for the most talented people. I mean, they, 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 they are a tech, very much a, a deep tech company. So they are looking for people with the, the very highest deep tech skills. But they go out looking for the smartest people and then they pull them together and then they try and enable them to create a company. So they very much look for the talent first and then think, well, how, do, how, how can we help these be, this talent create, create something? And, then, and they've, create, they've created some extraordinary things. So, so the interesting thing, I think, in the, in the world of uh, prop tech at the moment is clearly it's going to have a very difficult year, prop tech. Any, any startup tech companies are going to have a very hard time unless they happen to have just raised a load of, load of money. Anyone who's running out of their money, and to some extent it's just bad luck depending on their timing. But if I, if I, was, if I was running one of the, um, either the bigger tech companies or one of the bigger 
real estate companies, I would be trying to, if you like, buy up as much of the best talent as possible and, and find a way of using them. Because they, they're going to be, you know, it's a great opportunity at the moment to, to frankly, to buy, to buy tech talent. It used to be the other way. It, up until a few months ago, it was the other way around. The tech talent could tell you what to tell you all to go away. Yeah. But simply because the dynamics of the market have changed, There's, there are going to be more really talented people. And we what help. we haven't done yet is really focused on bringing together the most, the most talented people within prop tech with the people within the, the, the larger companies who have the domain knowledge to really understand how, how we can make um, the most of it. To an extent you have, you have companies like M7 who are an operating asset manager and, and stuff, and they, they're investing a lot in technology. So they've sort of done this crossover, but there's still a lot of the, the real estate companies who are sort of playing at the technology thing a bit. I mean, they're playing at it rather more aggressively than a few years ago, but they're still sort of playing. Yeah. And I started this year thinking the big, big thing this year was going to be sustainability, the whole climate, climate risk thing. And in many ways, it still is. And it's just being masked by the, the environmental situation. But there are, there, it's not that hard to work out from a technical point of view what products are needed within the real estate industry that could be built up at large, large scale. So it is a, it's a, on the talent side, I, th I do think it's a, big, it's a big opportunity to really pull out the best talent. And is this, I agree with you, is this my opportunity to ask you about your background, Real Innovation Academy? What, what, that that yeah. sounds talent related, tell, tell me about yeah. it. Well, it, it, it's quite, quite, interesting, quite interesting this, that, um, I've been work, working, this is an online, online course. So o over here, as I say, I mainly work as a, as a translator between real estate industry and tech and tech and real estate. And I have a, 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 a good friend in New York called Draw Poleg, who does very much the same as me over there and wrote the most brilliant book on real estate um, technology called Rethinking Real Estate uh, at the end, end of last year. But, but, both, but both of us specialize in that um, translation bit. So several months ago, we started thinking, well, actually, we should really start putting together an, on, an online course where we can, where, where a technology, someone in prop tech can go to learn the things that they need to know about real estate. And real estate people can go to learn the things they need to know about um, te technology. And we've been working on this for oh, six, seven months now. And it just happened that three weeks ago, it was essentially ready to go. So the Real Innovation Academy starts in May and you can go to realinnovationacademy.com and it tells, tells you all about it. But the first course is going to be um, all about the office market. Really? It sounds fascinating. Um, so we'll spread the word and, 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 and it's all online. So I can swipe my credit card effectively, can I? And, and, and learn yeah, and then be tested. It's a, it's a four, four or five week course, eight, eight, eight modules. Um, most of it you will just do it online, but each week we're going to do, we're going to do, Joe and I are going to do this sort of session. So we're going to do um, an interview session where Draw interviews me and I interview Draw, And then we're going to do for the, for the people on the course, 
a webinar to to talk about um, if you like what people have learned learned. So it's a it's a it is an online course, but it gives people a lot of access to if you like to to, to draw on me as well. And we're trying to build this talent this talent sort of alumni. The idea is that anyone who goes through this course is going to be suitable to to be to go for for understanding the impact of technology and and real estate so we're going to try we're trying to build our own little um, our own little talent pool or that they can all help each other out well that sounds fascinating i'd love to help you if if if, if you see any way that i can help you that sounds brilliant and i'm sure you'll get um an enormous take up um, so, uh, Anthony, I'm just conscious of your time. You're very popular. I'm sure you're required on another call somewhere else in the world. So um, just before we wrap up, I always ask a, a few quick fire questions if you're up for those. Yep, sure. Um, so PC or Mac? Oh, Mac. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> right. Um, I'm probably going to ask another stupid one. Apple or Android? Apple. <laughs> Okay, moving away from tech, you can tell how little I know about it. Bowie or the Beatles? Bowie or the Beatles? Oh, uh, Beatles. Okay, he was torn. I could tell he was very torn. Yeah. Um, and, and the final question, the question I ask everybody that, that, um, that joins me on, on my podcast is, if you could own any building in the world, what <laughs> would it be and why? Um. It would be, it would be perhaps the Pantheon in Rome. <laughs> zero, zero utility. That's is, my answer. But it's just the most beautiful, stunning, unbelievable. And of course, when it was built, was the biggest concrete build, um, dome for hundreds and hundreds. It wasn't until Brunelleschi's dome of the Duomo in, in Florence that there was a bigger dome than the, the Pantheon. And there's some, there's, the Pantheon is just extraordinary. I agree with you. Do you I say it's yours as well? I, yeah, I, I mean, it, it's the one building in the world that has truly blown my mind. And, you know, the, the huge hole at the top, mm. and never, it never raining inside, and all that jazz. I, uh, it's far too, far too impressive for my small mind. Do, do you know what's, what, what, what's interesting with that, though, is... The, the question of what building people like is actually is actually really interesting and reinforces my point about what the office needs to needs to be so you know the old churchill thing about first we um, we 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 shape our buildings and then they shape us i think that is so so relevant now the point is you walk into the pantheon and that catalyzes a whole load of emotions and thoughts and feelings etc etc so in the, that is what great workspaces have to do. That you walk into them and they catalyze whatever it is that that building is trying to um, that that building is trying to in, engender. We 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 love we love great spaces, and we and we work better in, in great spaces. And I genu I genuinely believe. You put, you, you put a bad company in a good workplace, they're still a bad company. But put a good company in a great workplace and they become a better, a, a, a better place. So our spaces are really, really important, much more so than we've thought the last 
it's been functional before. It's not functional because we have we need to be really really good humans to um, to thrive in this world, and we need the right spaces to do it. I couldn't agree with you more. And Anthony, on that note, I think I'm going to wrap it up. I want to say a huge thank you to you for giving us your your precious time under COVID conditions. And um, it's fascinating. I wish you every success with the with the academy. And um, thank you ever so much. That's great. Thanks very much. Great. You can join the DS movement by visiting ds.devilsmith.com and you will receive the latest Deadcast episode direct to your inbox.